Good grief. Is it actually possible to go through grief in a good way? It doesn't feel good. And we're going to talk about grief today, and we're going to talk about how to how to deal with it, make some observations from the scripture in this fourth installment of a five-week series that we're doing called Overwhelmed, Embracing the Emotional Part of Me. We've talked about regret. We've talked about anger. Last week, nervousness. Today, grief. Next week, we'll talk about empathy, and that will close out our five-week series. Now, before we go into the message and before my prayer, let me ask you this. Have you been praying about the gift that you will give to help us retrofit and future fit our building here on the Columbia campus? I hope you'll be in prayer about that on December the 20th, the Sunday right before Christmas. We're going to take an offering and we're asking you to give your best Christmas gift that you can give. So when we step into the new year and we start the construction of the inside of our building for phase one, we'll be able to leverage your funds along with the funds of other uh, believers in this church. And we will be debt free for this first phase. That's what we're praying. That's what we're believing. And we sure hope that you'll be joining us in that as well. If you want to know more information uh, after the service, just go to the website and uh, you can learn more about our new building, retrofitting, future fitting, and where we're going uh, in the future. Now what I want to do is open us up in a word of prayer and get started as we talk about grief. Lord, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us. Teach us that we might be better disciples of yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Together everyone said, amen and amen. If you have a copy of the scriptures, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We're gonna talk about Jesus and his grieving. No, not him grieving over Lazarus who died where it says Jesus wept, which was my favorite verse at home when we all had to say a Bible verse before we could eat. We would say the grace, each person had to say a Bible verse and then we could eat and the kids always got to Jesus wept and sometimes I was the first one to say it. But other times my sister would say it and make me mad because then I have to think up another verse and yet that was the shortest verse in the Bible. But no, there are other places, places in the scripture where we see the sorrow and the grief of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to take you there so we can make a few observations, uh, give you a few applications, and I'll even give you some bonus thoughts, okay? That's Matthew chapter 26. Will you make your way there with me? Uh, pull it up on your phone or on your computer or, listen to this, yes. The Bible, pages, remember how that used to sound when we carried those to church. Well, listen, this is a familiar story uh, where Jesus has been now uh, about to get arrested, about to be crucified, and he's in what is known as the Garden of Gethsemane. So we're in Matthew 26, we'll pick it up at 36 and we'll read to 46, got it? 26, 36, 46, Matthew 26, Verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
Verse 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he said? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, he went away at a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 43, when he came back and again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Verse 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer which we know he was talking about Judas. So here we can see a few observations. Let's first talk about Jesus's sorrow. Then we'll talk about Jesus's support. And then we'll move on and, and, and talk about uh, more of the difficulties that he had to come up with until he finally moved into submission to the will of God, Jesus's submission. When we talk about Jesus's sorrow, we're really talking about him being weary and exhausted with emotion. It says in verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is really a definition of grief. Notice what it says, overwhelmed with sorrow. The name of our series is overwhelmed. And Jesus is saying he's overwhelmed with sorrow. In fact, Luke tells in his gospel, and remember Luke was a doctor, he says in Luke 22, verse 44, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. Have you ever heard someone saying sweating bullets? Well, Jesus was sweating blood. It's a medical condition Dr. Luke would know about. It's a word I cannot even pronounce, but it can happen where blood is coming out of your sweat glands and it comes because of intense emotion. So one of our observations is that Jesus was sorrowful because he was weary, overwhelmed, even exhausted with sorrow to the point of bleeding sweat. Can I give you a practical application right at the beginning? When you are overwhelmed with grief, Go to God. When you are overwhelmed with grief, go to God. We see that when Jesus was in sorrow, he went into prayer. Three times he went to go pray and he took his disciples with him. And he was able to be authentic with God the Father. He was able to talk to God the Father about the sorrow and about the grief that he had. And no matter what it is you're going through and no matter who you're grieving or why you're grieving, one of the first things I want you to do is go to God. You see, what happens is sometimes we go away from God because we're so hurt and our, our pain is so deep. We we run into other places, into other people. We go do other things that are not healthy. But Jesus shows us with appropriate vulnerability that he went to God the Father 
And I would just say to you as a practical application, no matter how much it hurts, go to God. Lucy Reyes, who lost her brother Eddie in that 9-11 explosion, had to make a decision at some point through all the pain and through all the anger and through all the disbelief. Are you going to go to God? And so let me just say to you, no matter who you've lost or no matter what you've lost, go to God. So we have observed Jesus's sorrow. Now let's observe Jesus's support. And this is a second observation that I think is important because not only did Jesus go to God the Father and talk to him about what he was feeling, but a second observation is that Jesus had support. While in his sorrow he was weary, in his support he had people with him, which is a practical application again, let me give it to you. When you are overwhelmed with grief, gather with others. When you are overwhelmed with grief, gather with others. Notice some of the verses here. It says in verse 36, remember Matthew 26, verse 36, then Jesus went, listen, with the disciples. See the word with? How about verse 37? He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along, listen, with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. How about verse 38? He says, stay here and keep watch, what? With me. How about verse 40, after, after he comes back? Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? You know, the bottom line is when we are grieving, we should not grieve alone. We should have people with us. And one of the practical applications is not just to go to God where you can be alone with him, but gather with others who can be a support system for you. We see Jesus's sorrow, but we also see Jesus's support. And the idea of having others with him is very important. Now, listen, Job had three friends with him. Jesus had three friends with him. He took the disciples, but he had three that were even closer to him. Peter and the sons of Zebedee, James and John. Those three were closest. And yes, did they fall asleep? No doubt about it. Did Job's friends say the perfect thing? No, they didn't. Listen, your friends may not be perfect, but your friends are there. Job's friends weren't perfect, but Job's friends were there. Jesus's friends were not perfect, but Jesus's friends were there. If you're going to be a friend to someone who's grieving, then you have to be there. You have to show up. You call, you write, you get on a plane. Listen, you may not attend someone's wedding, but you ought to attend their funeral. You ought to attend the funeral of friends who need you when they are going through the difficult times of grief. Even if it breaks into your schedule and you're not uh, looking forward to the, the, the difficulty of having to, to weep over uh, the loss of a family member or a friend, part of what it means to be a friend is to be there, and when it comes to grief, we must go to God alone to be authentic, but we must gather with others as well, even though they're not perfect. And I want you to notice something. If you'll go to Luke 22, and I won't turn there, but let me read verse 45, because it's something I did not notice uh, earlier when I was studying, as many times as I've seen the passage. I've always seen that the three disciples fell asleep, 
But I never really knew why they fell asleep, with the exception of they probably had too much wine. Because remember, this is right after the Last Supper, you know, so they had they had wine and they had bread and they had food and they had been eaten and they kind of lay on the floor and all this. So I could I could make myself understand the physical reason why they may fall asleep after waiting an hour. But I didn't really understand the emotional reason why the disciples fell asleep. But Luke, the doctor, tells us in Luke 22, 45, listen to what it says. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found uh, them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. You see, Peter, James and John were feeling the same sorrow as Jesus, maybe not at the same level, but they were grieving too. And they were they fell asleep. He says in verse 45 of Luke 22, exhausted from sorrow. The disciples were grieving with Jesus, not just for him, but with him. Yes, we're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we we grieve and mourn and suffer with those who grieve, mourn and suffer. And they didn't just grieve for him. They grieved with him and maybe for themselves because they knew that the separation was coming. What am I saying? I'm saying, practically speaking, if you're being overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, Go to God and pour your heart out, but gather with others. And the others may not be perfect, but those others are ones who will feel your pain and even grieve with you to the point that they fell asleep because they were so exhausted with sorrow. Let me go ahead to move uh, to tell you just a bit before I move to the third observation and practical application a bit about our ministry. When you lose a spouse, we have a widowhood ministry. It's called the Bridge Widowhood Ministry. It's led by Melanie Jackson, a a fabulous woman in our church, and many other ladies and men, widows and widowers. Guess what they do? They gather with each other because, you know, you need that support. We talked about Jesus's sorrow, but what about Jesus's support? And what about your support? In your sorrow, you need other people who you can go through support with Uh, And it doesn't mean it has to be uh, for a long time. It doesn't mean it has to be for a short time. It depends on you. Everyone grieves differently. But I'm proud to have a ministry where people come together to try to figure out what what just happened. And and what do I do now? Maybe you want to be a part of that ministry or maybe you want to learn more. Go to our website, hit the drop box and just see what the link says and, and connect and find out how they come together to support one another. But we all need support. I mean, I needed support when my dad passed away when I was 21 years old. I was in a place spiritually where I was in Bible college. I was excited about learning God's word. But when my dad died, it was such a surprise that I I couldn't even, uh, all I could do is cry and then I couldn't cry anymore. Have you ever cried so many tears that you can't even cry anymore? Like you cry, but the tears don't come out. That's how difficult it was for me uh, to lose my father. But I remember, even though I couldn't cry anymore, I I couldn't read scripture, which is crazy, right? I mean, I had been licensed to preach by my dad a year prior. Now I can't even read scripture. I'm at Moody Bible Institute. I don't want to hear from God. I don't want to read the Bible. I'm just kind of in a fog. But I got this note. 
And it came from Amber. I didn't know Amber at the time. In fact, there was a gal that I was dating in Chicago. Well, I was trying not to date her, but that's a different story. Anyway, bottom line, I was hoping we were broken up and I moved to Chicago. Come to find out she moved to Chicago three months later and said, hello, I'm David Anderson's uh, girlfriend. Anyway, another story. Thought we broke up before I left town. But bottom line is here she is uh, and she's at this school, uh, says God called her too. Well, once my dad passed away and the president of the school announced that my dad passed away, people began to write notes. One of the first notes written was by this gal named Amber. Now, I remember seeing Amber uh, in the school because I thought she was really cute, but I had never met her. Well, she wrote a sympathy note, put it in my mailbox in Chicago at the college, and the girlfriend that I was trying not to be to have my girlfriend picked up my mail and brought it to the funeral. And so she didn't realize that what she was doing was delivering a note from my future wife. Anyway, I opened up that note. I read that note. Can I just tell you, she has such a way with words. Amber touched my heart. I said, when I get back to Chicago, I'm going to call this young lady and I'm going to thank her for the words because God's word couldn't get through to me from the scripture, but God's word got through to me with this note that had scripture in it. And uh, of course, you know what? I've been thanking her ever since. It's been almost 30 years. So when we say gather with others, I guess we've been gathering for three decades. But here's the thing. Everyone grieves differently. And it may be a note, the note you write, the text you send, the call you make, or the visit where you show up that could really break through somebody's grief and remind them that God is there for them. Well, we talked about Jesus' sorrow. Jesus' support. Can we talk about Jesus' submission for a second? In verse 39, Jesus says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In verse 42, Jesus comes to a resolve. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You see, Jesus was sorrowful, Jesus had support, but now Jesus had to make a decision about his will versus God's, the Father's will, and he, he, he says, Lord, let your will be done. Here's a practical application, the third one I'll give you today, and that is this, when you are overwhelmed with grief, give yourself to God's will. When you are overwhelmed with grief, give yourself to God's will. This is submission, this is surrender, this is when you finally accept that this is happening or this has happened. Have you ever gotten to that point where you finally accept, yep, this person has gone out of my life. Yep, this person has left the marriage. You finally get to a point where you realize, yep, my son, my daughter's gone. Now here's a warning, it takes time to get to this stage of grief called acceptance or giving yourself to God's will. And everyone gets to this place differently because there are really different stages of grief. In fact, let me give you the five stages of grief. Maybe you've heard of this before. It'll be a review for some and for others, this is brand new information, but Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, many, many years ago, began to observe terminally ill patients. And what she observed is that they would go through these five different stages of grief. 
And if you look at that graphic, you'll see that there's sort of this roadmap where it starts with denial and then it moves to anger and then it moves to depression and then it moves to bargaining and then it moves finally to acceptance. And this is something that all of us may go through emotionally or psychologically, whether we label it, whether we know it or not. But let me go over those five and take a moment with each. Denial. This stage is when you say, this is not happening. Or this has not happened. This can't be happening. No, that did not happen. That's denial. And it's normal. Because you are grieving a loss that you weren't expecting. And that stage can last a long time or it can last a short time before you move to the second stage. And the second stage is anger. And that means I am mad that this is happening or I am mad that happened. God did this. You're mad at God. You did this. You're mad at someone else. I did this. You're mad at yourself. I have a friend down in Atlanta and her husband just committed suicide about a month ago or died by suicide, I think is the better way to say it. And she said he must have had a mental uh, break or something because he hung himself right in the hallway of their home. And when I talked to her a couple of times, I, I, I kept asking her how she's doing and, and does she blame herself? And she goes, no, I do not blame myself. He had a mental problem. When I talked to his parents, they said he would have done this years ago if it weren't for you because you've just always been there as a support. Well, that made her feel a lot better. And then I ask her if she's angry. She goes, no, I'm just so confused. I'm lost. And then I called back about a month uh, ago or a month later, which was about a week or two ago, to which she said, now I'm angry. How could he do this to me? I didn't even pay the bills. I didn't even know uh, who to pay, how to pay. Now I got a mortgage and I can't believe he did this to me. Well, you know what? It's not unfaithful to him to be angry that he did it to you whether he knew he was doing it to you or not. The bottom line is she had to get to this place where she denied it. No, I'm, I'm okay. And it, it wasn't his fault to, you know what? I, I'm mad about this. All of us respond to grief differently. Denial, anger, depression. Depression says, I can't handle this happening. I don't want this. I don't want to handle it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to exist anymore. I just want to sleep. I want to leave. Bye. I'm out. I give up. That's that place where you hit the lowest. You don't even want to exist anymore. Let me just say, remember, when we're talking about grief, we said gather with others. This is what helps you when you're at the bottom pit of despair. David would say in the Psalms, how long, Lord, how long will you allow this to happen. Oh, my soul is so downcast. This is when you need others. Yes, you need to go to God, but you also need to gather with others who will remind you that you are supposed to exist, that you will come out of this. And there's that that fourth stage where you finally get out of the bottom and you get to bargaining. Bargaining is when you say, hey, listen, if I change, will you keep this from happening? Lord, if I change, will you will you heal me? I promise never to do that again if you'll just bring her back. Or we see bargaining with Jesus. Jesus says, if it's possible, can can we do this thing another way? If it's possible and I don't have to drink this cup, Father, is there another way to go? That's bargaining. Jesus got to that 
that, that level. He may not have ever gone through the other, other stages. We don't know, but we see in this passage, he's at the bargaining stage, and then he gets to that fifth area, and that's acceptance. Acceptance says, okay, it is what it is. This happened. This is my new reality. I have to move on now. It happened, and I'm still here. Or the way Jesus put it, not my will, but thy will be done. Acceptance. It's when you get to that point where you say, this is happening. In those five stages, you know, you saw that graphic, but you know what? That, that may be a roadmap that some of us expect, but the reality is the road you got was not those easy stages, or I shouldn't say easy, but those stages like they're steps. No, it's much more like this graphic. Look, this is the road that came. It was a squiggly line. You, you went to sort of one stage and then back to the other stage. And then was, one stage was shorter. The other one was longer. It was like a squiggly line. And you don't even know what, what you're feeling. Well, I don't know about the five stages and all that. But what I will tell you is this. These are stages, not steps. You don't go through steps of grief. You go through stages of grief. And these stages can come at different times in different ways. Not a nice orderly, okay, I made it to stage four. Now I'm going to get to stage five. No, it's a squiggly line. It goes back and forth. There is no rhyme or reason to it. And we all grieve differently. I like what this one writer says. He says this, and here's a quote. There are really only two stages of grief, who you were before and who you are after who you were before you lost your loved one, who you are after, who you were before you divorced, who you are after. Let me give you a couple of bonus thoughts. One is this, that grief is a container of emotions, uh, not a single emotion. I used to think grief is a single emotion. No, it's not. It's actually a container of emotions that have all kinds of emotions that pop up at different times. And here's the thing, they're all okay. You have to go through them. It could be sadness or anger, but it could be guilt. It could be joy. It can be gratitude, anxiety, relief. It can be confusion, frustration, numbness, fear, hope, resentment, yearning, envy. You can have all kinds of emotions. Remember, grief is a container. It's not a single emotion. It depends on the day. Here's another bonus thought, and that is this. Grief can be set off by loss of many kinds of things not just death. I know we talk about death because that is the ultimate grieving uh, for many with this human condition of loss that we all experience because of sin, but you can have loss in many things. Losing a job can cause you to set off grief or losing a church or for some of you, even not being in in-person services for 37 weeks. That, there can be a grieving there. The things that we've gone through in our culture with racial tension, with a highly politicized election season, with, with the loss of loved ones because of COVID or the attending of yet another Zoom funeral of another person who lost somebody, all of this can set off all kinds of grief and not just the person that lost someone, but your friend who lost someone and you don't even know the person they lost, but you're feeling the same kind of uh, loss because your friend is also grieving and it becomes compounded. It can be the loss of a friendship. Again, it could be the loss of a marriage. And yes, the loss of a loved one. Well, what have we learned today? A lot, right? Three observations, Jesus' sorrow, Jesus' support, Jesus' submission. 
Three practical applications. Go to God. Gather with others. Give yourself to God's will. A couple of bonus thoughts that grief is not simply steps, but it's stages. Grief is not a single emotion, but a container of emotions. And grief is set off by many things, not just death. But what I love about God's word is it never leaves us in sorrow. It never leaves us in the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, the scripture gives us hope and it reminds us, blessed are they that mourn for they will be comforted, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 4. And what I love about Revelation 21, it reminds us of something that I hope will bring you hope way beyond what this message can do. The word of God, when read, can do it. And this is what it says in the new world order. It says, Revelation 21, 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. Remember the withness of God. Remember with is about discipleship. Well, this is what heaven is. It's being with him. It says, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live. Check it out. With them, They will be his people and God himself will be, listen, with them and be their God. That's what heaven's all about. It's being with God and God being with his creation and there will be no more death or sorrow. Listen to verse four. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, but he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The problem with hell is that hell is all about grieving, all about regret, the range of emotions, regret, anger, nervousness, grieving, and no empathy. That's what hell is. You're no longer with God, but heaven is all about being with God. And when you trust Christ as your savior, he says, I'm coming back and I'm gonna take you with me. And where I take you, it's a place that I have prepared for you that where I am, you may be also. And you will never suffer the loss or a broken heart. You'll never cry another tear. Once I wipe the tears from your eyes, you will never have another tear duct in your body. You will never have to worry about sweating blood and you will never have to worry about losing loved ones or fear that safety and security is an issue in your life. It'll be nothing but joy because the scripture says that there is a joy that comes in the morning that weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Psalm chapter 30, verse four. Wow, no, Psalm 30, verse five. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning.
there will come a day when I will rejoice with my father again. And there will come a day when you will rejoice with your grandfather again, Pastor Jarrett, who lost him to COVID this week. There will come a day when you will rejoice with your father in heaven, Pastor Michener. There will come a day when you will rejoice with your son in heaven, Donna Michener. There will come a day, Dusty and Cody, when you will rejoice with your brother Davey again. There will come a day, Sandy, when you will rejoice with your sister in heaven again. There will come a day, Pastor Steve, where you will rejoice with your family member again. And Lucy Reyes, there will come a day when you will rejoice with your brother again. And ladies who have lost your children, there will come a day when that miscarriage will turn into something that will bring you joy because you will first time meet the one that you gave out of your body. My sister Sandra, for Samuel, who you had to give birth to one day, you will see him again. I can still hear my mom saying, used to sing it all the time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Teresa, you're going to see Eric again. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Some of y'all remember that old song. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. You know that song? Y'all want to sing it with me? I don't know if I have all the words right, but sing it if you're on your couch, if you're in your bed. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a place on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Come on, sing it. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Here's a verse I want you to hear. Just a few more weary days and then I'll <laughs> fly away to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away. Acapella, come on, all of us. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. Here it is. When? I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away.